I think we've all had that look at some point in our life, haven't we? <laughs> like, now what? Because <laughs> kind of as we said last week, um, I think on a different level, every one of us different levels uh, can relate to this based on what's going on in our life that we just saw in that video. And it's just this whole big now what kind of happening kind of feeling. In fact, if this is your first time with us here, or maybe this is your first time with us in this series, um, what we did is last week we started a brand new series entitled Now What? And uh, what we're talking about is what do you do when you face those now what kind of moments in your life? Because the reality is every one of us, we have them. And for most of us, it's a lot bigger than like 9,000 pieces of Legos all over the floor with this big instruction manual. In fact, last week's conversation was all about how do you move from thinking, now what do I do with this mess? Now what do I do as a result of this moment in my life to moving to say, now what, God, would you like to do in and through my life? What would you like to do as a result of this moment in my life. And in case you missed it, um, th those now what moments, this is kind of how we're defining the now what moments in our life. It's like whenever you go through like this big change in your life and, and some of those changes are planned and some of those changes are not planned and then some of those changes you planned but they don't turn out like you thought and you find yourself with all this new around you, all this unknown around you and in front of you and you are just thinking, now what? So during this series, we want to help you process now what as a church family, because we told you last week, and if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and at least be listening to the first part of the sermon series, because uh, we just kind of introduced all the changes that all five of our campuses went through, and they were major changes. In fact, sometimes I hear people on different campuses going, man, our, our campus had to go through this in 2018, and, and then like, I wish our campus would be like other campuses, and they didn't have to experience anything, and I just kind of laid out every campus went through major changes in 2018, and so many of us, we are in this relationship with this with the church and with this 2019 going okay now what but we're not just dealing with this on a now what basis with kind of the church I mean we, we wanted to help you process this as a church family but we also want to help you process this as persons who are dealing with it every day in your life because this question now what right here it just goes way so much deeper and it applies so much more than just what we experienced in 2018 as a church family in fact I, I kind of remember my first big now what kind of moment in my life Melody and I we had been married for about three months and um, I got up early one morning I just I mean I went to work a lot of times early in the morning and so I got up early one morning to go to work and, and I remember looking as I'm leaving and Melody is sleeping so peacefully and quietly and I'm thinking do I kiss her goodbye I just kind of let her stay in her little zone that kind of thing as I'm sitting there trying to decide that I'm looking at her I remember thinking wow I am totally responsible to make sure she is well taken care of for the rest of her life. And if I don't, because I knew her brothers really well, <laughs> I may not have a life. I mean, seriously, it was just one of those moments where you just, you just kind of see this big picture in front of you and all, there's all this unknown in front of you and you're going, now what? How do I take care of this person well for the rest of their life? And then one of the big now what moments I think for Melody and I was um, when after the birth of our first daughter, our first child, 
And in fact, I'll never forget, um, after Noel was born, I mean, they got us all ready to go home and, and we're driving home. And as we're driving home, like I'm driving home more careful than I have ever driven in my life. I drove home slower. That was like the slowest I ever drove in my life, right? And I'm thinking, man, there's all these careless people on the road, all these idiots out here, that kind of thing. And they're driving so fast. And Melody and I, well, this is funny too, but by the time the second and third one came along, we didn't care anymore. It's like, they don't break. They don't, you know, it's like, let's go home. You know, that kind of thing. But anyhow, Mel, Melody and I, we're, we're like, we're driving home and we're kind of talking about this whole thing of we're bringing this little human being home and the reality began to hit us. Like we are fully responsible for the well-being of this little human. And it was just one of those now what kind of things? And then we get home with that little human being and we had that now what kind of emotion. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what do we do with this thing? It cries, you know, it poops, it does all these things, it wants to eat. It's like, now what? You've been there, right? There's all this unknown in front of you. See, we've all been there, whether as a church as we experienced in 2018 or as we talked about last week, uh, how we all experience this personally as well. See, we've all gone through those seasons of change, and, and here's what happens. Like, you push through that season of change, and, and sometimes you're excited about it, and sometimes you're not excited about it, but you push through. And then after the initial push through, you just don't know what to do in the now. And so many of you, your now what is going on right now in your life. And for some of you, your now what, it's all about a relationship. For some of you, it's about your relationship with God. For, for some of you, it's about your relationship with the church. For some of you, it's even some other personal relationship that has changed in your life. And now you find yourself in this place where you're like past kind of the initial stage of the change. And, and some days, I mean, it's just so hard to keep doing all the right things in that relationship and to have the right motivation for doing the right things in that relationship. And maybe the only thing that does motivate you to do the right thing in that relationship is to ask the question that we've talked about many times around here as a church, and that is this question, what does love require of me? Maybe for some of you, it's like, that's the question that keeps you doing the right thing every day as you're experiencing this now what moment. And when you really think about it, I mean, this is a really powerful now what kind of question, isn't it? Because see, maybe you've got a relationship in your life. Maybe you've got a situation in your life. And here's the thing. You know what love requires of you. Unfortunately, you're just in a season where you're saying, I don't know if I have what it takes to meet the requirement of love in my life right now. In fact, maybe some of you, you find yourself maybe wondering or even thinking what Miss Raynell Serum found herself wondering not too long ago. Watch the video on the side screen. Hello, my name is Rennell Serum, and my husband and I, Dave, have been attending RCC now for about four years. Starting in uh, April of 2017, actually, 
is when we started experiencing loss in our family. We lost two of our nephews in 2017, and um, 35 and 36 years old, just too young. In 2018, um, I started off with a bad infection in my foot, ended up in a cast, a leg cast, all the way up to my knee for about six months. And then we were trying to sell our house. We did get a buyer. Um, and our first closing was set up for April 20th. Um, the weekend before, we had all of our friends come over to help us pack up our trailer and get everything out. So we had nothing but two wicker chairs and a TV. So our house closing was delayed six times. We finally, from uh, signing the papers in March sometime, March, uh, June 30th, we finally moved from our home in Grand Ridge and moved to our new location in Mariana. We were very excited about, about the move, going to the new place. And then um, on Wednesday of that week, my sister-in-law called early in the morning and my 59-year-old brother-in-law had passed away from what they called the Widowmaker. With all of this loss and all of these changes, I had people looking to me for spiritual answers. Why did God do this? Why, why would he take away my daddy? I don't have the answers. God, I don't know. I'd like to know myself. Why? You know? And it just went on. It went on and on, and I never, I couldn't hear from him when I told God that if something else bad happened, I'm out of here. You know? I'm not doing this anymore. Has you ever felt that way? You're now what moment got to that level where you say, God, um, I'm just kind of done with you? So what do you do when you find yourself in a place where love and life require more of you than you think that you have? Well, what do you do? Or, or maybe a good way to ask that question would be like this. What if love requires more of me than I have. Like, what if love is requiring me to do something that I just don't have the ability or I don't have the energy to do right now? Like, maybe you got a new staff member on your campus in 2018 and, and you really like the staff members that were there before and you think, you know, I need to build a relationship with this new staff member, get to know them, but I just don't have it in me to do that. I like that other one so well. Or maybe you're like in a marriage and, and your marriage has gotten so bad that you don't know if you have what love requires of you. Or maybe you have somebody at work or somebody that you go to school with and I mean they just flat out annoy you and aggravate you and irritate you and every day you think, I just can't do what love requires of me. I know what love requires me to do. I just don't have it in me to do it. Or maybe this is even your question. What if love requires a better me? And maybe you're sitting there thinking, 
I don't know if I can just make up a better version of me that can handle more. Because I've tried it before. I just don't have it in me to make up a better version of me right now. And you know what we do when we find ourselves in this kind of now what season and we don't feel like that we have it in us or we could come up with a better version of us? You know what we tend to do? We tend to give ourselves a pass, don't we? And we make like excuses and, and justifications for ourselves by saying something like this. Well, that's just who I am. I mean, like, you're just going to have to deal with it. Or you have to say something like, oh, that's just the way that I was raised. Or if you've known what I was gone through, then you would understand why I am the way I am. And, and like, while I wish that I could do what love required me to do, I can't because I just don't have it in me. But you know what's also interesting is when other people are in this situation, you know what we don't do? We don't give other people in their situation a pass, do we? I mean, somebody just says to you, listen, that's just who I am, or that's just the way that I was raised. I mean, you just got to get used to that. You just got to like it. I mean, our response is, no, 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 no. You can't use that as an excuse. I mean, like, you need to grow up. You need to mature. So what do you do? where you're in a now what season, and you know that love is requiring a better version of you than what you currently are. Like, how do you grow your character to be able to deal with that? Because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but as a friend of mine said, he says this. He says, life sometimes feels like an escalator going downward. I mean, think about it. I mean, things left to themselves over time. I mean, like, if you, they, they just get worse, don't they? Like, if you don't pay attention to your health, what's going to happen to your health? If you don't pay attention to your car, what's going to happen to your car? Over time, it's going to break down. Things left to themselves, they just get worse. And so, as, as a person, to grow as a person, to mature as a person, to grow that invisible part of you stronger, it can oftentimes feel like that you're running up a downward going escalator, an escalator that is just moving downward. And here's the thing, like you can run up an escalator that's moving downward, you can do it, but it takes so much effort. I mean, haven't you all felt that in your life? It's like, man, life is so hard. I'm just trying to run up this escalator that keeps going down. And you say things like, well, I'm going to be more disciplined, or I'm going to have more self-control, or I'm going to get angry less, or I'm going to be more gentle. And for a brief time, what do you do? I mean, you do pretty good with it, don't you? You really do. And then it just gets so exhausting, and you fall back into your old habits and your old way of thinking and doing behavior, and the escalator just takes you right back down. And it's such a disappointing feeling. But you know what the good news is? We're not the only ones that have ever felt that way. See, that's the good news. When Jesus was here on this earth, Jesus and his followers, they experienced that from time to time. In fact, when Jesus was on this earth, his followers knew exactly how to have a relationship with him, how to connect with him. In fact, it's the same way that you relate and connect to the people around you. 
But here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the time was coming when he wasn't going to be face-to-face anymore with his disciples. That whenever they had an issue or whenever they had a problem, they weren't going to be able to say, well, tomorrow morning I'll just talk to Jesus or I'll walk over to Jesus' house tonight or Jesus and I are going to be hanging out this afternoon and so I'll just talk to them. Jesus knew that was going to change. And so to help them prepare for the time when he wasn't going to be there face-to-face with them, to prepare prepare them when he was like no longer around, and they're thinking, how do I have a relationship with an invisible God? Like, now what do I do? Jesus has a conversation with them. And see, they could relate to what many of us deal with in our life or even dealing with in our lives right now because think about it like we think it's difficult when we go through some kind of change and and it makes us uncomfortable or like we we experience some kind of relational change or we experience some kind of change like in in the church staff or in, in the way our church functions or you know we think it's like difficult whenever like a family member or a friend or or somebody's roles change in our life that maybe even we work with or they move to a different place in their life Well, see, the disciples, they face the same kind of major transition with Jesus. I mean, they're facing a transition where they are no longer going to be able to be face-to-face, up close and personal with Jesus. And Jesus, in this conversation that we're going to look at today, he says, listen, here's what you can do when you're in a... a now what kind of situation? Like, whenever you face a now what kind of situation, here's what you can do so that you can experience change, so you can deal with the change, so you can experience growth, so you can experience maturity, so that you feel like life is still worth living. He says, it is possible if you do these things. In fact, in this conversation, Jesus gives us the secret to escaping the downward escalator whenever life changes around us, and we find ourselves in that now what kind of moment. Now, last week, we started looking at this conversation, and it's found in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along there, or we're going to put the words on the screen, you can follow with us there. But it's really one of the most important insights that Jesus gives us for how to thrive in life even when we are facing a now what kind of situation. In fact, here's what Jesus says. John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now, here's the reality. Everybody listening to Jesus that day, they basically know how a vineyard works because there were vineyards all around them. And Jesus says, listen, I am like the vine that is connected to the ground. Like whenever it needs life, it just draws life and nutrients from the ground. And then he goes on to say, and you, you are the branches. That's your role. See, you are the branches that are growing out of the vine. So you have a role to play. And basically what Jesus is telling his disciples and even saying to us is this. Listen, when I am no longer face to face with you, When when everything changes from what you are comfortable with now, I want you to remember that you are the branches that are connected to the vine. Don't get confused and start thinking that there is some other vine that you can tap into. 
Don't think that there's some other source of life out there that you can take a shortcut and tap into and experience what you need to experience in your life. Because what Jesus is saying, listen, remember, as a branch, you can only produce life or fruit whenever you are connected to the vine. And then Jesus tells him why this is so important to remember. He says, if you remain in me and I in you. And last week we said this whole statement right here, if you remain in me and I in you, it can be a little bit confusing, but just kind of give you a little bit of understanding. Literally what Jesus is saying, listen, if you stay connected with me, if you live together with me, if you stay close to me and I stay close to you, he said, then we can have the kind of relationship that I want you to have, the kind of relationship that will allow you and cause you to be fruitful even when you are in the middle of a now what kind of season. In fact, as we said last week, Jesus says, listen, I don't want you looking around. I want you looking up. I want you looking at me because I am the vine and you are the branches. I want my relationship with you like to be the true source of your life. Do you know why Jesus says this? Because Jesus knows something that so many of us in 21st century church world have forgotten, and that is this. God in you should be way more powerful than any influence on you. Don't don't miss that. God in you should be way more powerful than any influence on you. And see, here's where that becomes a problem for most of us who call ourselves Christ followers, because for most of us, we are way more concerned about certain people having the ability to influence us. We're we're more concerned about being able to be face-to-face with certain people in our life, and, and if they're not in our life and they're not around our life, I mean, we just fret and we fume and we fuss, and we think, how am I gonna make it? So many of us, we're way more concerned about having certain people having, having the ability to influence us than we are concerned about God's life-giving power flowing in and through us. And while it's good to have people in your life who are influencing you to be more godly, the big thing is making sure that you are focused on God's power flowing in and through you. In fact, I've said this before, but I think it's such a big deal. I think one of the greatest downfalls of the 21st century church is that people are way more concerned with the influence, being able to be like face-to-face with a pastor or church staff member than they are with their relationship with God. Listen, a relationship with a pastor or a staff member will never do for you what a relationship with God will do for you. And Jesus is saying, God in you is way more different. It is way more powerful than any person's influence on you, as good as that can be. And so Jesus says, no, no, no. If you will remain in me and I remain in you, He's saying, that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with you because that's life-giving, that's life-changing, that will sustain you through any now what kind of moment in your life. And he says, and if you do this, and the key word is, if you do this, it's conditional, look back at it, what he says. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, because this is conditional, if you do this, you will bear much fruit. And don't miss this. See, your life 
will never be fruitful the way God wants your life to be fruitful just from the influence of other people in your life. See, your life can only truly be fruitful from the life of God flowing through you. That's how you have the power to be fruitful. So Jesus says, listen, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, the question is, what is he talking about when he says you'll bear much fruit? Well, the fruit that he's talking about in this context and, and the fruit that he's talking about throughout the Bible is it's described as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. It's that invisible part of you that keeps you strong no matter what you're going through. And Jesus says, listen, if you remain in me, there is going to be this supernatural character growth and strength that is going to happen in you. There's going to be this growth that takes place in your life in such a way that people are going to look at your life and they're going to notice the hand of God, the fingerprint of God all over your life. And here's the thing, you've seen that. It's what makes baptism stories so powerful. I mean, it's just like you, you have people in your life, you, you've seen people that you work with. I mean, they're, they, they've had the hand of God touch their life, and they're just radically different kind of people. I mean, they had, used to have like the worst temper, and now you would describe them as a gentle person. And it's like, how did that happen? How did that change happen? Or, or maybe it was somebody who was always filled with like anxiety and worry, and they're always fretting about what was going to happen in the future. I mean, like they couldn't sleep at night. They're always tired because they're always in their mind. They were always in this now what kind of season. And, and now they're like in a really difficult season. And you go, wow, they have so much peace and so much trust in God. It's like God has done a total transformation of their character. And that's what Jesus promises in this passage. Je Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to give you a little bit of fruit. Je Jesus says, I mean, th this is so powerful. I mean, Jesus says this. He goes, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Much fruit. That love and that joy and that peace and that patience and that gentleness and that kindness and that meekness and that self-control. I mean, it's just going to come to the top and it's going to grow strong and it's be very fruitful in your life, even when you're going through a now what kind of season of life. And then he gives us another phrase. And in this phrase, he drives home the importance of why being connected to Jesus is more important than being influenced by any person that you admire or that you respect or that you think highly of. Notice what Jesus says. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And you go, nothing, Jesus? You really mean? I mean, this person I like hanging out with or being around, they, I think they've made my life better. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Y you can do nothing. And some of you go, well... I'm a better person than I used to be. And some of you are even going, I'm a better person than I used to be, and I don't even consider myself a Christ follower. But I'm a better version of me. Well, that's not what Jesus is looking for here. See, you being a better version of you is not the goal. The goal is for you to be Christ-like. 
And you got to think about what it means to be Christ-like. I mean, just one of those attributes that we talked about, one of those fruits that we talked about of love. I mean, Jesus loved you and I so much that he laid down his life for us. His love was so amazing. See, here's the thing. You, you can go through life and, and you can be a better version of you by like imitating some of the behaviors of Jesus. But you gotta understand something. Jesus wants so much from you, more than you, than for you, you just to be a better version of you. J Jesus says, listen, I can make you into something that's unmistakably more like Jesus. If you will just remain in me, Jesus is essentially saying, listen, if you focus on remaining, he says, I'll produce this fruit in your life to the point where people are going to look at your life and say, well, something is so different with you. It's like God has been there and God has been at work in your life and God is doing something supernatural in your life. That's what Jesus is saying he wants to do. And then he gives us the consequences in the next verse. He's saying, listen, if you don't make remaining in Jesus the focus of your life and, and having a relationship with Jesus the focus of your life and getting your life from him. He goes, listen, if you don't do that, here's what will happen. Notice what he goes on. He says, he says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned, which means this, if we're disconnected from the vine as a branch, we have no ability to function as we were intended. Make sure you understand that. A branch that is disconnected to the vine, it has no function. It has no use. A branch cannot bear fruit on its own. It has to be connected to the vine. And Jesus is saying, the same is true with you. You have to be connected to the vine. Apart from God, you can't do anything on your own, or at least you can't do and bear and produce the kind of fruit that Jesus wants to produce in you. But if you stay connected to Jesus, he says, I'll remain in you, and you'll be able to do things that you never thought you could, that you never thought were possible. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in verse 7, he says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Literally, he says, not, not if you just physically hang around me, but he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, think about that, the power of words. I mean, has ever, anybody ever said something to you that just really like stuck with you? It just stayed stuck in your mind? I mean, and it feels like it's just like ringing in your head all the time. For, for many of you, it was something, something somebody said that was negative. I mean, maybe they told you like when you're a kid, like you're never going to amount to anything or you're just so worthless, like you mess up everything. I mean, you're just a nobody. And whatever they said that was negative, it just found its way and it, it just locked itself in your mind. And you've carried it with you every day for the rest of your life. It's been such a lid on your life. Or maybe somebody said something that was positive and life-giving. And those words, I mean, you have locked them into your heart and your mind, and you have carried those thoughts with you throughout your life. Jesus says, listen, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And some of you are thinking, anything I wish 
and it'll be done for me. No, no, no. Remember the context. The context of ask for whatever you wish is the fruit. It's the fruit that grows your character. It's that supernatural maturity that God wants to bring about your life. It's the spiritual growth that God wants to happen in your life. And Jesus says, it's that thing that trips you up in life, keeps you from being the person that you want to be when you're you're just feeling weak, when when you want to be strong, and, and, and you're feeling fearful when you want to be courageous. Jesus says, listen, ask me to change it. Don't don't just focus on it. Don't just work harder on it. No, 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 no. He says, remain in me and ask me to change it. You know what he's saying? Over time, as you remain in me, he says, I'm going to begin to chip away at what has been withered. He says, over time, like new growth is going to come. As we talked about last week, he'll do some pruning work, and there's going to be this new maturity that begins to grow out of you, and there's going to be these new blossoms and blooms that begin to happen in your life, and you're going to see new levels of fruit from those blossoms and those blooms, and you're going to go, wow, I'm more loving than I ever was. I have more joy than I ever had. I have more peace than I ever had. Jesus says, you can have that. Just stay connected to me and ask me. He says, so you have anxiety and you want peace? What do you do? Remain in me. You, you feel fearful and you want to have courage? What do you do? You just remain in you, me. He says, you feel prone to anger and you have all these temper tantrums and frustrations and you're always defensive and reactive and, and you're like, oh, I just get so tired of being that way and you push people away from you and people lose respect from you because you're such a reactive, defensive kind of person. Jesus says, listen, remain in me and just ask me to change it. He goes, like, you have no self-control. You can't be, like, disciplined about anything. Just remain in me and ask me to change it. And he says, over time, guess what will happen? Over time, I'll produce that fruit in you that replaces the immaturity with spiritual maturity. And you can be strong no matter what you're going through. And when you think about it that way, in light of what Jesus has said here, What is it that you're frustrated with in your life? Where where do you think you need more strength? Where do you think you need more courage? Where do you think you need more love? Like, what area of your life can't be changed? See, in light of what Jesus claims here in John chapter 15, what behavior, what response, what attitude in you is so bad that the very life of God himself can't change it in you? Like, what can be so far gone in your life that you would just make an excuse for the rest of your life? Well, that's just me. And Jesus said, there's nothing. There's nothing that I can't change. He says, if you'll just remain in me, I can produce the fruit that you need to get you through that now what season of life. See, the good news is this. It's not about what you can do but it's about what God can do in and through you. And Jesus says, just remain in me and I'll remain in you. You just stay close to me and I will infuse. I will just pour my life into you and through you and it'll produce fruit in you that you never thought was possible. And you know what else that means for us as as a church family? And it's why investing in other people's lives and inviting them into a relationship with Christ is such a big deal, is because see what this means for us, it also means that we should never count anyone else out either. You know why? Because if God can produce change in anything in me or anything in you, he can produce that kind of fruit in our lives. If he can do that in us, 
He can do that in the lives of other people as well. In fact, because somebody didn't get up, give up on Miss Raynell, I want you to watch the rest of her story. It was at small group one night and we were all sitting around. It was after the new year. We were all sitting around the table like we always do. I wanted to tell them how I was feeling, but I wasn't sure if they would accept it, if they would love me. And finally, when I did begin to talk and share, they all just listened and everyone was so loving and understanding and non-judgmental. And when I left, um, one of the guys that's known me for a long time, because we've been in this small group, I just, these people are family. And he cried when I talked about leaving God. And he said, you can't leave because God's got work, God's got a plan. You cannot leave. And he cried and, I mean, it just really turned things around for me. And I began a Bible study. I went home and I was just going to throw myself into the Word. God said to me that life is like a parade. You know, we see one float at a time, and that's life. It's the series of events that are happening on this float. But God sees the whole parade from the beginning to the end. He knows the end. And, you know, we're just, we're just in the middle of this parade of life that we're living, and we just can't live it without God in our lives. pretty powerful when you think about it you just can't live it without God see some of you haven't got to that place yet but that's where God wants to take you Jesus said if you remain in me and my words remain in you you ask for whatever you need and it'll be done for you and God has begun to do that work Miss Raynell's life. Now, to kind of give you kind of a, a word picture to help you take this with you for this week, I, I want to talk about a relationship because our, our challenge really for you this week is to kind of figure out how to draw on God's power. Like, like what does this remaining, what does it feel like? Because see, when a branch feels weak, the branch, if you really think about it, when a branch feels weak, a branch doesn't just try harder. No, what does the branch say? It says the same thing Miss Rennell said. I, I got to get more connected to the vine. And the only way I'm going to get life is if I draw life out of the vine. In fact, you, you could say it this way. The way to draw on God's power is through constant consideration of and intentional investment in. Now, the word picture we want to kind of take you with, with this thought is maybe it's the relationship between a husband and a wife. I really think that's the kind of relationship that God is describing here. See, none of us who are married experience a perfect marriage, but I think the closest picture that God gives us of remaining in him is in the relationship of a marriage. Because if you really think about it, good marriages, they have constant consideration of and intentional investment in. I mean, think about it. That's, that's what you do in a good marriage. 
you have constant consideration of the other person. It's like, how is this going to affect the other person? Like somebody asks you to help you do or help them do something or for you to do something with them one evening. What, what do you naturally think about? Like, how is this going to affect my spouse? And how is this going to affect us? Like, how would this affect my spouse? How, how would this kind of situation affect us? See, that is called constant consideration of. But constant consideration of is not like really romantic, is it? It's, it's not what women dream about. And my wife kind of reminded me of that last night. They want this, an intentional investment in. They want the date nights, right? But here's what I've learned over the years is date nights are much better if constant consideration is happening every day. You, you have to have both. Constant consideration of and intentional investment in. See, and here's the thing. That's what it looks like to remain. You constantly consider, how does this affect my relationship with God? Is this going to make my relationship with God? Is this the way that God would have me to love others? Is this the way that he would have me to live? See, I, I can't make a decision without thinking about God if I'm going to remain in him. And then... There's the intentional investment in. It's why people, they get up and you hear them talk about, I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is pray. It's why you hear people talk about how they turn their radios off and when they're driving somewhere and say, listen, I'm going to spend this time intentionally communicating with God. It's why people open up their Bibles and say, God, I want to study your word because I want your words to remain in me. It's the constant consideration of and the continual investment in or intentional investment in. That's what it looks like to remain. And here's the thing. If you'll remain, you can draw on God's power to get you through anything that you're going through because he'll produce the fruit in you that you need to be able to handle that now what moment in your life. So this week, maybe for the first time ever, we encourage you to practice remaining in him. And we want you to put the practice of this whole constant consideration of and intentional investment in, in everything that you do. In fact, if you'll make this a habit in your life, what's going to happen is you're going to look back one day and you're going to be able to tell stories of how in those moments when you need it the most, that God showed up and he began to do a work in your life that was unmistakably him. And he produced a fruit that went way beyond what you ever imagined. Now, let me just tell you something. The best way for you to do this is to do exactly what Miss Raynell did, is you begin to get back into God's Word. And the best place for you to do that is on the version. If you do not have the version app, you can just talk to one of us after service. We'd love to help you. Um, just go online. You can just... Uh, download the app version, and they have daily reading plans they'll send you daily scriptures just to get your heart and mind focused he says if you remain in me and my words do what they remain in you he says man i'll produce the fruit that you want in your life and here's the thing here's why this is such an important habit if human words can carry so much weight and power how much more can the words of jesus how much more influence can the words of jesus have in our lives if we allow them to remain in us if we lock them into our minds and our hearts and we carry with them with us every day of our life now here's the problem with this when you walk out of here today for many of you are going to go oh that was good but it's not going to feel urgent. 
But you need to understand, while it may not feel urgent, it is very important because here's the reality. You can't be the man or the woman or the spouse. You can't be the parent. You can't be the child. You can't be the student. You can't be the employee. God wants you to be if you are not remaining in him. In fact, what you're going to try to do is you're going to try to just pull life out of other people. And it's going to stagnate the relationship or it's going to make the relationship bad because you're going to try to pull life out of other people that God never intended for you to pull out of them. He says, I want to be your source of life. So our question today is this. Will you make the commitment today that you're going to choose to remain? In fact, don't forget to take this with you this week. The way to draw on God's power is through constant consideration of and intentional investment in it takes both of these for you to remain daily saying god how is this going to affect my relationship with you god is this what you want god is this the best thing and then intentional investment in placing god's word in your hearts and in your minds will you pray with me heavenly father i thank you so much that you love us that you care for us you love us so much that you give us a path understanding how how to have power how to have fruit that will will help us to go through those now what moments God not as a victim but as more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord I thank you for that and I pray that today we all make the commitment that we're just going to be constantly conscious of and we're going to make that intentional investment in our relationship with you in jesus name we give you thanks for the fruit you're going to bring in our lives this week in jesus name amen hey thanks everyone for being with us today have a great day